Hello fellow imperfectionists and thank you for joining me on another episode of Picking at Perfection. Today I'm joined by Helen Pettifer, founder of her own company that supports and trains other companies in relation to vulnerability. I had such a nice conversation with Helen and she really for me shed light on this somewhat unknown area and I definitely picked up some great tips on how to support people around me more. There are a couple of really emotional moments in this episode. Helen was so genuine, and I'm really flattered that she chose to share some of her personal experiences with us. At times, what we discuss, it does get a little dark, but these are important conversations that Helen has every day, and this is just an example of how strong of an individual she is. But I think overall, the key takeaway is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I am particularly pleased with myself because I managed to cram in all of my recently learned psychological theories and references in this episode, so look out for those. And if you like this episode, be sure to check out episode two of my podcast, which talks about similar topics, and also search for Helen's podcast, Unlocking Vulnerability, on your favourite podcast provider. That's enough from me, on with the show. much for agreeing to be our guest. No, you're welcome. I'm really excited. Looking forward to this. Excellent. Um, Just to start us off, would you like to give us an introduction a bit about yourself and what it is that you get up to in your day-to-day life and business? Yes, yeah, of course. So quite simply, I am a vulnerable customer expert. So a lot of people haven't really heard of this before. So what this means is that I work with businesses, typically those that are heavily regulated, so financial industry, um, utility providers, public sector. And what I do is I help them put processes, policies and strategies in place so that they have the ability and the means to support the customers that may need additional or specialist support and also to train their staff as well. So a large part of my time with the businesses is actually spent training their frontline staff, helping them to manage the complex and difficult conversations that they may have with customers and um, helping them with their listening skills, their empathy and their understanding. Amazing. Thanks. And this episode, I'm totally learning along with our listeners because I didn't know, you're, you're right, it's kind of not a familiar concept. So when we first met what, a year and a half ago at, at Toastmasters, when you said what you did, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. It's not something I've come across before, but it is sort of, as soon as you explain it, it's immediately evident how important this kind of role and, and business would be. And just before we get into anything sort of related to perfection um, and more into what your role involves, when you say vulnerable and vulnerability, what do you kind of mean by that and what kind of groups are included within that? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, that is predominantly when I go to networking events and when I tell people what I do, the very first question that they ask is, oh, well, what, who, who and what is a vulnerable customer? So so it's always sort of a really good starting topic of, of conversation. So obviously we're, we're in COVID times now and, and even just the term vulnerable and vulnerability has been branded about so much more than previous years. And it's 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 a way of organizations almost labeling customers who may have personal circumstances that impact their mental capacity their 
decision making, their communication skills, or even just the way that they engage with that organization. So it may be that um, somebody who is living with dementia may have, find it challenging to engage with their bank or their insurance company or even their water provider or somebody who is going through bereavement may not have the, the full mental capacity or the, um, the strength and the resilience to actually deal with everything that they need to deal with when they're, when they're dealing with the death of a loved one. So it's vulnerability is very much all encompassing. And, and I think historically we've looked at vulnerability as those who are the, the elderly, those who are in wheelchairs, um, physically disabled, or even hearing or visual impairments or even mental health. But it actually covers so much more because life events happen to all of us. You know, people get made redundant. People have accidents. Um, people are, can be victims of crimes. All these different things can really impact somebody's day-to-day um, -day life and the way that they think about things, their decision-making, their mental capacity to actually make decisions can be really, really severely impacted. So mm. I hope that's sort of a, a quick few short sentences. It's a really big topic and it's one that I'm really passionate about. I can imagine. Yeah, and that would be my first assumption as well, um, in terms of sort of more of maybe a physical disability when I hear that word vulnerable. But as everyone knows in the UK and all around the world, there's been a massive sort of drive for initiative ar around mental health. And I think that links really clearly with what you do. And also with the sort of pandemic and um, in the UK, we're in lockdown and spending much more time at home and by ourselves, I think it's such a, a crucial thing to be focusing on. And we've seen that really go on the rise in terms of attention to having positive mental health, how to help yourself. Yes. And of course, we're, you know, we're living very much in um, a lot of um, financial vulnerability as well. There's a lot of people who are now financially challenged and finding it really hard to, to just even pay their priority bills. Um, so yeah. again, that's something I didn't mention. Absolutely. No, that's a really, really good point. And something that really interests me at the moment, so my listeners will know that I am currently doing a bit of an online psychology course. It's nothing sort of formal, but I used to do A-level psychology and it's something that's really interesting. So I've sort of picked it back up on a, an online cheapy kind of course to get some of the um, case studies and information kind of back into my brain. And I think a really big thing about the sort of pandemic and the fact that we're spending more time isolating at home not in contact with people is the fact that we are originally and genetically we've kind of adapted as a race to be social to be around tribes and I think we're really cut off from our tribes or what you would call in the 21st century as your kind of peers um, colleagues friends we're cut off from them socially and I think as a race we we need that social interaction to thrive because that's the way we have evolved yeah absolutely and 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 I think that is really, really crucial. And, and Age UK actually have um, a statistic that they share that loneliness is as dangerous for physical health as it is a smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow, so it really is. does have a huge impact. Loneliness and social isolation really impacts not just your emotional and mental well-being, but actually your physical well-being as well. That is an astounding statistic. And something that... Um 
it, the, where I sort of picked up that understanding of the the tribe um, kind of mindset was listening to a guy called Johan Hari, and he's written a book about it's sort of like a modern take on depression, and it talks a lot about that tribe mindset, um, and it's it's quite a radical, forward thinking um, approach to thinking about things like social anxiety and, and depression. So if you haven't heard of him, I definitely recommend looking him up. It's a really interesting kind of read um, and his take on things is is quite interesting. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I'll definitely look him up. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I've got his, I've got his, I've sort of listened to him on podcasts. Uh, he did a TED Talk a couple of years ago, a big fan of TED Talks, and that was really good. And then I sort of looked him up on various other podcasts. He's a very engaging speaker and has a, a lot to say on the topic. Brilliant. Definitely but check whilst- him out. <clears throat> yeah, no, do. And um, whilst we were talking about um, definitions um, for the sort of record of the podcast, what would you kind of define um, in terms of perfect and perfection? Wow, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Definition of perfection. Well, I think. Wow, that's that is a tricky one, isn't it? I think for me that the definition of perfection is probably continuously striving for something that is always unattainable. Um, so it's always just out of reach because I don't think we ever really reach perfection. So maybe per- perhaps perfection doesn't even really exist. Um, I think we we often look at others, um, what they have, how they look, what they've done in their lives, in their businesses. And, and we think to this, to ourselves, actually, wow, you know, I'd love to be like that. They're perfect. Their life looks perfect. Their, everything about them looks perfect. And we desperately want to be like them we inspire ourselves to be like them and 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 maybe sometimes that's all we do and I think probably social media has got a huge amount to do with that um, and the way that we we want to sort of live our lives in this perfect world and of course you know I think we all know that there is probably no such thing as that the perfect world yeah but I think when we look at closely at those people that we we sort of aspire to be like and maybe when we unravel their lives or their businesses or we probably do, we would probably pick up on all their flaws and their imperfections, just just like we've all got imperfections. And I think they may even be looking at, at other people and maybe even looking at us and thinking, actually, what a perfect world we live in, what a perfect life we have. So, so perhaps then the real definition of perfection is to continuously work on ourselves. And we're all unique. We're all, we all have our own set of skills and our talents and, and gifts. And actually, we're, we're all perfect as we are, I guess. That's, um, I love that. It's, you know, well, it's a really deep question, though, isn't it? <laughs> a great question, but very deep. And, of course, it made me think that, um, made me think of Salvador Dali's quote that, um, have no fear of perfection because you'll never reach it. And I thought, actually, that's probably really that. true. Brilliant. I think you, you've hit on some really good points there I love the word unattainable I think that that is completely accurate because um whilst people whilst striving for whilst striving for perfection may not necessarily be a bad thing I think it's probably good to admit that you'll never reach it because it's it's kind of like a fluctuating state it's different in everybody's eyes um and one of the things you talked about as well in terms of picking out things that aren't perfect either about other people or other people's lives um as humans i think we have a negativity bias so we're inclined to see about other people and even ourselves what isn't perfect or what we might perceive as negative rather than picking out the good things and kind of 
you know, being happy with what we've got. And there's this mindset of the grass isn't, you know, the, that saying the grass isn't always greener. I think that's completely accurate. Yeah. And of course, on social media as well. I mean, people only post the good stuff. They only post the happy, uh, successful parts of their life. They never actually post that they're having a bad day or that actually they didn't, um, you know, they, they haven't succeeded at doing something or, or actually they're just sat there in floods of tears. Uh, you know, they, they only ever post the, the positives and the happy side that they want people to see agree agree it's a huge topic that I think this always comes I think I've had only a few guests that haven't mentioned sort of social media (laughs) when when perfection comes up because it is always this thing it's this um me and Scott did an episode the previous episode about sort of social media um and it's because it's so new it's the first kind of generation are growing up with it and we don't really know what the full impact that will look like it's a really interesting topic um to me so I definitely enjoy talking about it with everyone <laughs> brilliant and to um get back more to your sort of area of expertise then so you talked about wanting to train companies um sort of bring their standards and strategies for addressing these um customers up can you talk to us more about your ultimate goal for the business in terms of educating and building awareness yeah of course yeah um, well, I think I'll, I'll start with sort of sharing um, what started as my personal vision or my personal values and, and sort of then obviously came into to be in my business vision, um, which is to instill a desire in individuals to treat others fairly, respectfully and kindly without exception to create a world in which everyone feels valued and heard. And I think that's something that I've always sort of when I think back to sort of when I was a child growing up, that was always my 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 values that actually, you know, without exception, I, I was kind and, you know, caring towards everybody. Um and I think my my real purpose in life and ultimately is my business goal is is to inspire and motivate others to be kind, to just think about what other people might be going through when you're communicating with them, when you're engaging with them. Um, just to try and sort of see things from from their perspective, especially under COVID times, we're we're all, um, you know, sort of in this storm, as it were. But we're, we're all in different boats, and some people are coping really well with it. Some people have got so many different challenges. Some of them really seriously debilitating, um, and and sometimes a lot of people just don't share what's going on in their lives, and. And if we don't know what's going on, we kind of make the assumption that everything is okay. So it's kind of a case of just when we engage with people, when we interact with people, just have that awareness at the back of your mind that actually they may be facing challenges, they may be having struggles, um, they may be not having a good day that day. Um, So it's just all about being kind, showing empathy, showing compassion, listening, listening to understand um, is, is absolutely crucial. And and I think sort of for, for me, I think how I've come to, to sort of bring everything together for my businesses. Um, I don't know how much you, you know, Alistair, actually, about my, my first son, Daniel. He's got um, um, special needs. He has a, a rare unbalanced chromosomal translocation. So it means that two of his chromosomes are sort of in the wrong place. Um, but of course, it's been challenging with him. You know, he's he's been through a lot um, in, in his life. And, and that wasn't really the the life I wanted for him I, you know again coming back to that perfect I think everyone who's who who wants children and is pregnant with with their firstborn always wants this perfect child and then of course when you're sort of dealt this different hand um 
it's you know you kind of have to pick yourself up and go with that um but of course it's sort of he's given me that resilience and that motivation and inspiration to keep going so that's that's ultimately my my business goal is to encourage everyone to be kind and to be um, aware of of all the different things that other people may be facing that's beautiful Helen thank you so much for for sharing that and it, it's so admirable as well. I think there's um, a, a real lack of empathy around at the moment in terms of just general communication and, and conversation. And something someone taught me recently, um, because I, I struggle with sometimes maybe what I would say in terms of being a bit self-centered in situations and um, because, we're, you know, we're all sort of looking after ourselves ultimately, but it's important to consider other parties. And Someone said to me, if you take on the mindset of that, you, you and everyone else is just learning in this world. We never stop learning from each other in situations. We might not be at school. We're all sort of what you'd say, adults and qualified in jobs, but we're all still learning every day. Um, and if that person has responded in a way you didn't expect, uh, you have to learn from it. You can't react in a way that um, is you know, not socially acceptable or something. But the best thing to do is just accept and learn from the situation and think, how can I do better next time? How can I better support that person next time? How can I handle it better next time? And that's something I've truly tried to take on recently. Yes, yeah. And 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 that's great actually, because because in, in some of my training courses, I look at um the difference between reaction and response uh, responding. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Reacting and responding. Because the reaction is very much um sort of what we do almost immediately that's an immediate response with you know from from the unconscious mind that actually it's it's instinctual that you know especially if you're angry or something you might sort of shout or you might have an outburst or you know if you're a physical person you might you know punch somebody or punch a wall but that's your that's your reaction and actually what what I'm wanting to encourage people to do is actually to respond so it's taking a step back it's using your conscious part of your brain um, and, and sort of really analysing everything. So looking at the situation, looking at the other person's point of view, taking into account everybody's feelings, thoughts, motives, um, intentions, and, um, and then formulating the right response that's appropriate to that situation that you know is, is not going to give you too many difficult consequences afterwards looking at the long-term impacts of, of how you respond. Brilliant. I love that. That's a really good way of describing it, reaction versus responding, mm. because, yeah, you're right. And, you know, part of, um, I think that does link into the, what we were talking about earlier in terms of evolution as well, because we have this fight or flight mode that we go into sometimes, because, I mean, on the plains of Savannah, when we were, um, cavemen that fight or flight would have probably saved our life but now it's it's not really as applicable to us when we're in business circumstances but it still comes into play if we feel threatened um by some whatever by if someone's saying something or you know maybe challenging or questioning what we're saying it's a really interesting kind of topic yes I think that's a good yes. distinction yeah and and of course you know I think I don't know if you've heard of sort of like um the um the monkey part of the brain so the reaction yes. oh it's so hoping you monkey. would bring this up is <laughs> <laughs> is is our monkey brain so of course you you know you've got the um i can't remember who the author is but he wrote the chimp paradox Beaters. yeah yes you know and, and and he talks about actually taming your monkey is actually right okay so so taking your reactional brain 
um, and your monkey brain and then actually sort of right okay stop him from from reacting immediately kind of tame it um to actually then to be a response amazing yeah no i'm a huge fan of dr steve peters and i yeah recommend that book to everyone that i speak to it's such <laughs> a good and interesting is, read it? <laughs> it's really it's just yeah profound and he he sort of splits the brain out into a chimp a computer um and the, the computer is the sort of more rational and automatic and he talks about how to program the good reactions into the computer and take the decision making away from the chimp it's brilliant really yes, really good read yeah, and i really, really I was actually lucky enough to see him present some of the content live as well. So he's a really interesting speaker and yeah, just amazing. Good, good recommendation. I love that you've read that. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) And when you're sort of doing your training um, and your workshops and things like that, that I've seen you doing on your website and social media, what's your kind of methodology behind the training and how is it you're delivering that to companies? Um, yeah, so I've got a number of different ways that I, I sort of get my message across and deliver the, the training. So obviously before COVID, um, being a trainer, I was very much in a face-to-face setting. So I would go to organisations, premises and sort of almost classroom-based training. Um, then obviously COVID hit, lockdown hit, and it was a bit of a, a mad panic of whether all the training could be then delivered um, virtually. Um but uh, I didn't have to fear anything because actually it all worked quite smoothly. And, and as long as people have their videos on and engage, then, then actually sort of Zoom training sessions do work really, really well. Um, so I've I, that's what I've been doing for the last year. Everything is on um, virtual now. Um, but then I also um, write train the trainer programs as well. So um, for a lot of organ- larger organisations that have got, um, you know, too many people it doesn't make it cost effective to get an external trainer in. I then um, create the content for them and um, train their trainer to then deliver it in-house. So that's definitely something I can offer. Um, And then um, at the start of lockdown, I started hosting vulnerability discussions. That was a way of getting people together again on a Zoom call, um, like-minded people who were um, as passionate or as interested in vulnerability as I was um, across all sectors, all industries, all job roles, um, all demographics. And actually, I've had people from all over the world join as well, which is fantastic. Um, Just get them onto a Zoom call and we just talk about different aspects of vulnerability. So it's a great way of networking. It's a great way of um, sharing lived experiences, sharing um, organisational experiences and and increasing people's awareness of, of vulnerability. And and as you know, I've got my own podcast as well, Unlocking Vulnerability. So that's another way of me actually getting my message out there to, to sort of, you know, as many people as possible that this is something we need to be addressing. Amazing. That's so diverse then. And um, yeah, I think you're like everyone at the moment, spending most of your life on Zoom and online meetings and things like that. And I think the really good point that you brought up, this is something that we sort of addressed in um, the company that I work for at the moment in terms of having video on because again back to that sort of tribe mindset we are really distant from everyone at the moment so trying to replicate that over technology as much as possible is probably the best sort of um, possible alternative to bring people and colleagues in this instance together as much as possible because if you're just using your voice you 
you know, you can't see body language, you can't see eye contact and things like that. It's really difficult to kind of replicate that at the moment. Yes. Yeah. And I have delivered, um, I did deliver a training course um, with an organisation. Luckily, it was just a really short one, it's like 90 minutes. Um, and literally none of the delegates had their videos on. It was, it was the hardest training course I've ever done because, you know, it was, it was hard to even understand whether they were to really, remember if they were in the room if they were actually paying attention you can't see them they didn't engage and and I just actually do you know what I really don't think these delegates are going to go away with too much knowledge because Mm, they weren't participating yeah and I I just thought what a waste of money for that organization yeah and I guess that that's sort of um again how we know each other is Toastmasters so sort of focusing on public speaking skills and leadership it's really hard as a speaker to not be able to see audiences reaction because you kind of thrive off it, don't you? You thrive off smiling faces or people paying attention. Um, it's difficult to engage with a screen alone, even if people aren't on video camera. So I feel your pain yeah. there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was probably the, the hardest training course I've ever had to deliver one I don't <laughs> want to do again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's something interesting that you talked about there as well, which I didn't even realize was a thing in terms of um, actually writing the, the content, the training content and passing that on to another speaker. That's, um, that seems really exciting to me and, and quite interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes. Yeah. So I've just literally um, finished um, writing a train the trainer program um, and sent it off to the client today. So that was all about um, um, a really difficult subject actually on managing suicidal customer conversations. So there's a lot of customers who are very much on the edge at the moment and, and frontline staff need to know how to deal with those types of conversations and how to really support those individuals who are considering suicide as a way out. So um, so yeah, this organization, they've, they've got hundreds of members of staff um, and they just sort of said, you know, can we can we buy the program from you can you write the content and um so yeah so I sent it all off to them today actually funny enough and and I deliver a a sample training session with them next week and um and then we have another sort of a trainer session booked in so if the trainers have got any questions on on the content or the delivery they can ask me any questions about it and then they go off and deliver it in-house that's an important topic to address Mm. and yeah, no, that must be really difficult for the the frontline staff. So I can imagine all the support they can get is much needed. But what a a cool business model that it's sort of like an investment, um, sort of like a, a care package. I, d- I suppose yes. I would describe it as. Yeah. And I um I read something really interesting on your um, blog on your webpage, which talked about something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And as I mentioned, I'm sort of looking at. Um, some psychological case studies at the moment and on that kind of level it really appealed to me and I found it really interesting and I think it's so applicable in everyday life so I wonder if you could talk us through this uh, what it involves and maybe how you implement it yeah yeah of course I mean I love Maslow's hierarchy of human needs as well I I just find it so so interesting and, and sort of you know you can just relate to it personally as well yeah so so basically Maslow's hierarchy um if you just googled Maslow's hierarchy that's what it would come up as and it's it's quite simply just a, a pyramid of um built of five different levels and it's all about um human human needs and human motivation um so right at the bottom level you've got the um physiological needs for survival so you've got your, your water food shelter and warmth so that's all the basic stuff that we need to actually just survive life um 
The next level up is um, safety. So this is looking at um, personal safety, emotional safety, um, having good health, um, control over our environment, financial stability, and, and that, that freedom from fear. Um, level three is all about belonging. So as you mentioned earlier, you know, as humans, we need that social interaction. That's how we've been sort of evolved and designed to, to be. We need to have meaningful relationships with family, friends, um, you know, work colleagues. So it's all about sort of being cared for and caring for others. Um, then level four is all about our self-esteem. So actually, this is where we can um, develop a, a level of self-worth. We feel empowered to actually sort of apply new skills, get out of our comfort zone um, and, and contribute. And we feel we feel good in ourselves. We have accomplishment and we have value. Um, and then right at the very top, obviously, with a pyramid, it, it gets sort of smaller at the top um, is, is what is known as self-actualization. And this is actually the, the point at where we've reached our very full potential. Um, we've using every single part of our skills and our creativity, we're collaborating, we're giving back to society, we are um, fundamentally sort of using all of our, everything that we're, we're made to, you know, to, to use really. Um, so, so that in essence is, is Maslow's hierarchy model. So, so when we kind of analyze this model, we can see that as humans, we can't move or feel motivated to move up to that next level if the level that we're already on has not been completed or has not been, um, we, we haven't got all of that that's in that level. So, so think sort of back to level one at the very bottom of the level. So water, food, um, shelter and um, warmth. So somebody who is, is homeless or someone who can't put food on the table, somebody who um, can't pay their um, um, energy bill to even put the radiators on and, and heat their home. Um, how can they then move up to the next level when they haven't got those basic needs met? Um, and then obviously thinking about, um, you know, sort of moving up the level. How can you be part of a community um, and and have your um, feel feel your self esteem is actually if you don't have the security and that sense of belonging. So you, you can see when you look at it and start analysing it, how each level is really fundamental to our personal growth, to our development, to our to our mental and emotional well-being as well. So we need to have each level complete before we move up. And, and that, again, starts, you know, with, with our motivation as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a really, really interesting model and, and very apt for vulnerability as well because I think it does give you that idea that actually there are people living in society especially in the UK where even their basic needs are not being met and then we're expecting them to engage with an organization to get a job to um, contribute to society but actually when they haven't got food on the table when they have got a cold house when they haven't got a home how can we how can we expect them to do that Definitely. And I think it's so interesting to see it laid out in that kind of hierarchical order. And I think linking that back to kind of what we were talking about earlier and empathy and understanding other people, I think that should give people a real insight, as you're saying there, and sort of evaluating, expecting someone to go to a job centre, for example. Um, and if you see that there, you, if you see from the hierarchy, you can understand that there's a basic need that's not being met. 
uh, that is sort of um, is preventing them from moving up the hierarchy. So maybe preventing them from that expected action. I think it's nice. It's sort of it makes everything black and white, I think, a little bit and a little bit clearer in terms of understanding society. Yeah. And, and of course, it does help people to understand that, you know, it gives you another insight into other people's lives and it, and it helps us to sort of maybe show that empathy and that understanding. Definitely. And understanding of self as well. I think it would be useful to refer back to it. You know, there's times where I sort of feel down. Um, and I think what modern society directs us to in terms of making us happy, I would confess that I'm particularly materialistic. And I think that doesn't really fit in with the hierarchy, but it sort of fits in more with this kind of capitalist society of that more things or more physical possessions make us happier but actually referring to the hierarchy it might be something like being validated or accepted and having actual human physical contact that would make you feel better versus uh, ordering something off Amazon Prime like I seem to do (laughs) and of course that's a short-lived um that's a short-lived experience isn't it because you know people go out and they buy you know new clothes or a new car or something it it kind of gives you that sort of instant gratification and that instant validation, but actually it doesn't, it doesn't last. Whereas actually if you've got a really good, strong relationship with, with a friend or a partner or something, then, then that's going to serve you so much better long-term than actually that, that new dress or that new pair of shoes or, you know, or that flash car or whatever it was that you wanted. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. And with the son of, um, the, the gentleman I talked about earlier, um, Johan Hari, he talks about even though we're of the age of Facebook where we're connected with so many people, we've never been more distant as as people and more yeah. socially disconnected. And and that, uh, I, I definitely see where he's coming from. I think that's strongly linked to things like anxiety. And certainly when I feel down, the best thing that cheer me up is doing something like Toastmasters or, you know, interacting with yes. people, having a real conversation with rob my partner and stuff like that so I think it's a lot of food for thought and it's it's nice to have a handy chart stuck on the wall to refer to so everyone should print out the hierarchy (laughs) and follow it that's that's a great idea (laughs) or maybe you can set it as your wall uh, your phone wallpaper or somewhere you could easily access (laughs) so um what would be your advice Helen if someone is listening to this episode and it's really sort of residing with them either on a, a personal level or perhaps for someone that they know um, or work with or know in personal life, what's the sort of next step to being supported and changing things within their circumstance and, and getting support for if they are in a vulnerable situation? Yeah, I think, I think sort of, um, sort of that, that's really sort of two, two halves really, isn't it? So, so for, for individuals who are wanting to look out for other people, I think the very, very first thing that they need to do is to um, really, really develop their listening skills. Listening is one of the greatest skills that you can ever develop. If you really listen to somebody, like genuinely, actively listen, uh, not to respond, but to actually understand. And there's a difference. You're not thinking about how you're going to respond to that individual. Your mind is clear and you're focusing on that individual and actually really wanting to understand where that other person is at, what they're facing, what their impact is on the situation that they're experiencing. Really listen. Um, Try not to solve their problems. Um, 
we're all keen to sort of, you know, solve problems, aren't we? You know, sort of if somebody comes to you and sort of says they're not having a great day, we're always want to be quick and get in there and sort of, have you tried this? Have you tried that? You need to speak to so-and-so. But actually just take a step back and just actually listen. You know, they may not want you to solve their problem. They just want to just vent. Um, so I think from from that point of view, I think the most important thing that anyone can ever do is to actually just sit down and, and listen to somebody. Put your phone away. We talk about phones. We talk about social media. Put your phone away. Turn it off on silence and really focus on that individual. Um, and then for, for somebody who is, is really facing, um, you know, sort of really challenging situations, um, find somebody that, that you really trust um, and, and just, try, you know, have that conversation. Just sort of say, look, you know, will you listen? Because I, I need to talk. Um, and also as well in my training, I do um, spend a lot of time talking about signposting. So, you know, we should be signposting to charities and organisations who are trained and equipped and skilled to help people who are facing um difficult challenging situations in their life so I mean the Samaritans is a fantastic um charity um they've got 24-hour um telephone lines so you know people can can just call them at two o'clock in the morning if they've just woken up and had a panic attack or scared you can just pick up the phone and call the Samaritans and talk to someone um there are so many other great fantastic charities now there's a lot around um debt management as well I think we're going to really hitting some financial um, hardship as we come out of this sort of a lot of people are in the, the difficulty now but I think as soon as um, payment holidays cease and the government's support um, financial support ceases and, and firms start putting up their bills I mean see that the energy providers are starting to put their bills up and council tax mm -hmm. could be going up so there's a, it's a huge amount of um, financial uncertainty ahead for a lot of people so actually just getting in touch with some debt advisors, start budgeting, start trying to sort of consolidate all your debt and try and work at paying it off because that will help you to, to reduce the mental health and that stress and anxiety um, that you may be facing with that. So, yeah, so two, twofold really there. I hope, that's, I hope that's helped. Yeah, no, definitely. That's really, really clear and sound advice. Thank you so much. And okay. yeah, some in, important advice there. And I hope it, I hope it does help someone out there. Again, I had another point, but I've completely forgotten it. <laughs> it, does, it, it. When you think about vulnerability, it does sound as if it's like quite a, a deep and dark topic, doesn't it? And and I probably, probably the listeners are feeling a bit sad now. But, no, um, no, I don't I, think I just so. Sort of think, I, I think it's important that we understand where people are at, because I think what we, we're all need, we're all going to need some support at some point in our lives you know some help and that and you know it's I think it's important that we, we talk about it yeah definitely and I don't think anyone should feel alone because you know sometimes I like I say on I've been saying on this episode that I feel down sometimes and things like that and you know some people might say that that's completely selfish or selfish even because you know I'm in an okay position I'm not particularly vulnerable or anything like that but I think it's okay for everyone to talk a bit about how they feel um and to get support if they need it and there are various levels of sort of extreme and no one should feel guilty there's that phrase that sort of goes around it's okay not to be okay and things like that I think that's an important I was just mindset. gonna say that actually. That's, <laughs> yeah that's that's a great one isn't it it's okay to not be okay yeah, definitely. I yeah. think the more we start having conversations like this, the the more things will get better. 
especially, as you say, I mean, we're going to have a massive economic shift, not only in the UK, but in the world in terms of when we sort of get out of this situation, um, there's going to be all sorts, because I think just speaking from the economy side of things, like you were saying about um, bill providers and things like that going up, there's going to be this massive shift of people staying and working at home. And there's not going to be the revenue from the, you know, the offices, uh, from the providers of the offices, you know, like the real estate of the offices, all of that is going to shift and it's going to take time to adjust. I definitely think that it's going to have a huge impact even when the vaccine is out um, and the sort of actual pandemic part is over. Yes. Yeah, we'll be seeing, we'll be seeing, yeah, financial challenges for, for many years to come, I'm sure. Even that sounds depressing, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, say something happy. <laughs> oh, and um, go on then, we can, we can perk it up. So um, what is, Helen, in your opinion, the most perfect thing you think you've ever done or experienced in your life? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I've, so I've got two things here then. So the most perfect thing I've ever done probably actually was just being a mum, having my two boys. Um, you know, I always wanted to be a mum and um, and I'm so proud of, of sort of, you know, the men that they've turned into now. Um, so yeah, we've had, you know, we've had trials and tribulations, but, you know, I look back on you know, all the fun things that we've done. They were growing up. It was, it was fab. So, yeah, definitely. They're the most perfect things I've done. Um, with regards experienced then, um, well, from, from an experience point of view, I, I, I love to travel. Um, I'm feeling a bit sort of restless at the moment because we haven't <laughs> we haven't been able to travel. Um but um but I love, you know, experiencing new places and, and I think probably thinking about perfect places. One of the most perfect places I've been probably was on, on my honeymoon. We went to um, we did a road trip down through France to um Monaco, Nice and Saint Tropez and um I'd never been before and never been to the south of France. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and it was just amazing. I think probably one of the highlights of of that was we um, we we went into Saint Tropez Harbour um, on the sea. We came in by boat um, into the harbour. So you're coming in amongst all these luxury yachts. There was a sailing ship regatta going on as well. So we're kind of you know heading from from um, you know where we were across the water into Saint Tropez Harbour. Um, with the sun shining, blue sky, blue sea, sun shining, um, you know, rich, wealthy people. And it was just, that was just amazing. That was probably one of the most perfect experiences. That does sound amazing. And I, I know you've talked about um, that that's where you developed your expensive taste for champagne. And yes. you talked <laughs> recently about it in Toastmasters and your, your honeymoon journey and you've definitely given me some inspiration for my eventual honeymoon in the next 10 years or whenever that yes. will be. <laughs> Highly <laughs> recommend the south of France, fabulous. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, on the reverse then, what is the least perfect thing you think you've done or experienced? Oh, okay. So is this the part where on your podcast where everybody confesses to terrible deeds? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> We've had all sorts. Um, it's actually when you mentioned your two boys on the um, for the perfect bit, I've had someone say the most perfect thing I did was raising my children. And then for the imperfect thing, they said raising my children. <laughs> but yeah, we get a couple of confessions, funny stories, anything you like. 
Excellent, fabulous. Well, I, I don't know if I've got any really bad, really bad confessions to make. I mean, obviously, I've said and done things in, in the past that I'm not terribly proud of. I think probably everybody's like that. Um, but I, I I guess I've had a, a couple of sort of big setbacks in the past. Things are sort of haven't gone perfectly. I think I think you, you knew that I was um, training to be a dancer my teenage years to be a ballet dancer and I think sort of um I ended up injuring my knee and then that um sort of put paid to the dancing career so that really wasn't a very perfect experience when you set yourself up to do mm. something um that that you know you you've given your life to as such you know that wasn't really perfect um probably this well I, I guess yeah probably I do look back and I wonder whether I could have got things better could have done things better with the boys growing up. I know it's a challenge with Daniel. I'm proud of what they've both achieved, but I look back and think maybe I could have done things differently now with hindsight. Um, mm. Maybe shouted less and <laughs> more fun. <laughs> oh, we can all do that. I shout so much. I think there's um, I it's there's two points to to touch on there. I think um, when you're saying looking back, there's things that you'd like to change. Um, we have this thing called, as humans, called hindsight bias. And I think it's when you look back and you think that you should have known better, but that's only because you know better now. So in theory, nothing is wrong because you wouldn't have been able to change that moment because you wouldn't have had what you know now um, in a, being able to change that situation. Does that make sense? It's kind of a bit of a catch-22. Yes, but that does make me feel so much better now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And the other phrase that comes to mind is uh, your future self needs you and your past self does not. I try and live yes. by that, by not dwelling on Ooh, your past, but moving on how you well. can improve in yes. the future. And, and I, think, I think it was Steve Jobs as well that said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can oh, only connect the dots that. looking back. I'm, I'm sure oh, it was wonderful. Steve Jobs. Because all these things check. happen to you in your life. But of course, you and, until you're sort of further along, you can't actually see their connection. And actually, because I look back now and I think, actually, probably I needed all of that stuff to go in, in the past. I needed all that to happen to get where I am today. So it, now I look back, I can connect all the dots. But actually, at the age of 16, at the age of 21, the age of 24, you, you can't see the correlation that all of these different scenarios and experiences are going to actually, what they're going to create in the future. That is brilliant. Yeah, you're right. It was Steve Jobs. I love that. I've not come mm. across that before. It's brilliant. Yeah. Love an Apple quote. Brilliant. Get that in. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, as we mentioned before as well, you're a, a fellow podcaster. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about where people can find episodes of that. My personal favourite was the recent one with the gentleman that had the past gambling addiction, but has now turned that around and actually works for a charity um, to help people with gambling addiction. That was a really interesting episode. I definitely recommend everyone look that up. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I sort of started my podcast yeah, just over a year ago now. So unlocking vulnerability is what it's called. And and it's a way of just sort of sharing my thoughts um, on vulnerability. And I have now got guest speakers as well. So um, I have some charities, I have some <clears throat> businesses, um, and I've started having people with, with lived experiences as well. So yeah, the chap that you're talking about, amazing chap, you know, really um, 
you know, powerful story he has. Um, and even the, the chap I've just had um, on my last episode that got published, um, he's he's going through bereavement through suicide. His, um, his teenage son ended his life. So that was a really powerful story as well. Um, and uplifting and, and to sort of see all the things that he's now doing in the in the suicide prevention world as well. So um so although they sound really dark topics and dark subjects, there, there's so much hope that we can get from from each of their shared stories. Um it, it is really powerful and I love I love the idea of being able to to give these people their voice um, so that they can share their stories with other people. So um so you can find that on on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the, the well-known podcast platforms. So that's called Unlocking Vulnerability. Thank you for Amazing. the plug, Alice. No um, worries. No, I recommend everyone checks it out. And I, I personally love those stories as well, because I just think how incredible these people have made such a positive from such negative um, and just been, you know, I think it really inspires me because it says to me that I have no excuse if these people have powered through such difficult times and made, you know, that kind of name for themselves and achieved those things. It really inspires me to sort of be my best self. And I came across um, another recommendation as well that I'd uh, recommend people look up is uh, Tariah Trent's backstory. Um, I don't know if you've come across her before, no. Helen. But um, she was, I think, in 2018, or I'm not sure about the year, but she was voted one of Oprah Winfrey's best guests of all time. And she has this story about growing up uh, in a third world country and wanting to become a doctor. Um, and her, it was sort of her journey of getting her family over to America to become this doctor. I think she failed a couple of times her exams. And it was just so inspiring. I listened to her story on. Uh, Christina Carlson's podcast I think it's called okay. uh, Your Best Life or oh no Your Dream Life Starts Here that's what it's called okay. I'd definitely recommend looking up that that episode because that was a really inspiring story as well brilliant okay that's definitely food for thought yes I'll definitely do that she's written a book <laughs> as well which is uh, on there on my reading list to get to eventually <laughs> <laughs> I have a very long reading list <laughs> yeah so do you know I've recently, I've started reading things, uh, I read on a Kindle, um, I've started reading books and then I've had to download them on Audible because I just need to get through them quicker because yes. it's, I'm getting a backlog. <laughs> <laughs> but Helen, huge thanks again. This is such an inspiring chat and I hope people um, get a lot out of the episode and, and thanks again so much for being my guest on the, the podcast. No, you're very welcome. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Alistair. Thank you so much for listening, fellow imperfectionist. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope it has inspired you to get closer to your true purpose in life. If you have a question, thoughts on this episode or suggestions of topics or even future guests, I would love to hear from you. Visit pickingupperfection.com slash participate. You can also follow me on my socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even contact me via email. Links for all of this are in the show notes. See you next time.